Thank you for joining me once again, and welcome to the Geek-tastic Dad podcast. My name is Jason. I'm your friendly neighborhood geek and father of a daughter. I have been discussing the Player's Handbook, which is one of the three core rulebooks of Dungeons & Dragons, or as we geeks like to call it, D&D. If you'd like to get caught up, check out episode number six for a quick intro into D&D. Episode seven talks about chapter one of the Player's Handbook, uh, discusses the process of creating a character and getting started. Episode number eight talks about chapter two of the Player's Handbook, which is about the nine core races. And now we're on chapter three, which is all about the 12 core classes. If you'd like to visit me on social media or just send me an email, point your favorite web browser to geektastic.link contact. You can support my podcast by going to geektastic.link support. If you'd like to leave me a voice message and uh, possibly have it played on the podcast, visit geektastic.link voicemail. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Please like and subscribe my podcast, uh, your favorite app, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever. All right, thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. Okay, so I'm going to try something new this time. I'm going to add a section called What the Geek, uh, where I can just kind of touch base with you, give you an idea of what's going on. The plan is to include, you know, what's new with me, maybe what's new in the geek verse, and uh, maybe some silly technology that I found and so on. So just a few minutes for us to chat and get caught up, basically. So without further ado... What the Geek. <laughs> so... I know that was totally lame, but it was fun. Uh, <laughs> I grew up being a big Dragonlance fan. I remember sitting in the comments area of my high school, reading some tattered copy of one of the Chronicles or Legends book that I borrowed from the local library. However, I kind of feel I missed out on the Forgotten Realm, specifically the story of uh, Dritz Duerden. Well, Wizards of the Coast is doing a huge sum of celebration of all things Dritz. There's a new book coming out in August, and... Uh, B. David Walters, sorry, B. David Walters from Black Dice Society will be delving into this world of the iconic character a lot more. So check out the link in my show notes called All Things Dritz to watch an interview with none other than R.A. Salvatore, get a sneak peek of this bizarre but super cool lullaby uh, that he was asked to write, and then check out the Legend of Dritz uh, in the show notes for a lot more information about that whole thing. So that's that's kind of exciting. I feel like I should read the books and get caught up now. I, I feel like a terrible geek for not having read them already. So second topic, uh, I'm super excited about the Loki TV show that's premiering in a few days, like June 9th. I really enjoyed WandaVision. I uh, thought it was a little sad when it ended. I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't realize it was a one-season thing. But then The Falcon and the Winter Soldier came out. That was pretty fantastic. Uh, I knew what to expect, one season, then on to the next project. Well, that next project is Loki, and Tom Hiddleston does a brilliant job of portraying this mischievous Loki character, and after watching this exclusive clip on Marvel.com, you can see it in the show notes, Marvel Studios Loki, uh, I'm super excited. I can't, I can't stand it. I mean, I can't wait until June 9th. Uh, I just can't come soon enough. So also be sure to check out uh, the link in my show notes for Tom Hiddleston's most memorable Loki scenes, uh, it's kind of a 30-ish 
second catch up. You'll see what I mean when you get there. Topic number three. So there is a video that was released um, around May 27th for season four of Cobra Kai. Now the video itself is really anticlimactic. However, it shows that the character Terry Silver, played by Thomas Ian Griffith, is going to be part of season four of Cobra Kai. Now, if you recall, Terry Silver was in Karate Kid Part 3. Uh, he played the original corporate owner of the Cobra Kai dojo and was a close friend of John Kreese um, from their shared time in the military. Terry is this owner of, you know, rich owner of a corrupt toxic waste facility, in addition to being the co-founder of Cobra Kai. Now, he plotted to trick Daniel into training with him while also planning to ensure Daniel lost to Mike Barnes in the All-Valley Karate Tournament. I think the most famous line in the movie is, you know, now the real pain begins, Danny boy. Uh, it's very dramatic. But his plan ultimately fails, which leads to the 30-year closure of Cobra Kai, bringing us to the beginning of the Cobra Kai series in season one. So no premiere date has been set for season four that I know of. Uh, hasn't been announced yet, but I really enjoy seeing all the old personalities kind of show up from what is one of my most beloved 80s movie series. So check out Cobra Kai Season 4. Terry Silver returns in the show notes to uh, check out that trailer. You'll see what I mean. It's nothing to be too excited about. But uh, I feel like, you know, if you love Karate Kid, you should watch it. So that's it for the What the Geek segment. Um, I promise I'll work on the intro. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll leave it the way it is. It's, it's charming in its own way. Uh, now on to Chapter 3 of the Player's Handbook. Okay, so what are classes? The first thing the Player's Handbook likes to tell us, if you flip to Chapter 3, is that adventurers are extraordinary people who are basically adrenaline junkies. Uh, in most cases, your character is part of a group of heroes who are putting their lives on the line for some greater good. Sometimes people like to play anti-heroes or even villains, uh, but whatever floats your boat. In most games, I think you'll find you're usually the good guys, or at least less bad. Uh, in terms of D&D, a class is basically encompasses what your character can do in the game. It's a big part of your character's identity, and it will determine what strengths and weaknesses your character has, uh, your skills and abilities, whether you can cast spells or not, and so on. If you've ever played a fantasy-based role-playing game, uh, or video game that's fantasy-based, you might recognize some of the classes, you know, fighter, sorcerer, rogue. Um, so I did talk about making sure you're your race aligns to your class. And I'm just going to remind you that again here. Uh, if you have an eye on a specific class, uh, go read chapter two again um, and find a race that makes sense for the class you like. Likewise, if you have a race you'd prefer to play, check their ability score modifiers and see what classes um, that race fits well. Because uh, they do go hand in hand. For classes, I think, I think I'll start with some mechanics and just kind of work my way backwards. So. In a second, I'm going to talk about things like hit die and briefly how hit points work, uh, primary ability, saving throw proficiencies, armor and weapon proficiencies, and so on. From there, I'll try to dive into uh, where to find specific information about each class and what to look for. Uh, then we can talk about a couple of the classes that are in the player's handbook. Sound good? So I've touched on hit points before. Uh, it's basically a game mechanic that is used to determine how much physical damage your character can take. Every time you get hit by an attack, you fall off a cliff, you're struck by lightning, whatever, your character will be damaged by some number that's determined by a roll of the dice. Uh, when your character reaches or exceeds zero hit points, he or she starts to die. And we'll talk about death saving throws when we reach chapter nine, uh, when we talk about combat. 
But just like any other game, your character will generally start at level one and move up from there. And how you level up is determined either by milestones or experience points. Uh, at each of these levels, your hit points will increase by some number. And that number is determined by a hit die, which is part of your character's class info. Constitution also plays a role in how many hit points you get at every level uh, as well, because your constitution bonus will be added to your hit die roll. So let me let me try to explain with a couple examples. So we'll, we'll start with a barbarian. My barbarian has a constitution of 16. So barbarians have the highest hit die, which is a d12 or a 12-sided die. And a constitution of 16 gives that barbarian a plus three to the constitution bonus. At level one, my character gets the max possible hit points on a hit die. So at level one, my barbarian gets 12 hit points right off the bat from the hit die, and then three more from his constitution bonus for a total of 15. So you got the 12 for the roll, three for the constitution, 15. Now I'm at level two. I'm gonna roll a d12, and let's say I get seven from that roll. I then add that plus three for my constitution bonus at level two for a total of 10. So 10 more hit points at level two added to my 15 gives me a grand total of 25 uh, as a level two barbarian. So now let's let's take the wizard. A wizard has uh, one of the lowest hit dice. It's a resounding d6 or a six-sided die. And my let's say my wizard has a constitution score of 10, which means he has a plus zero. He's got no con bonus. So at level one, my wizard gets six hit points from the max total on the 1d6. And then I add zero for my con bonus for a total of six hit points. Now my wizard's at level two, and I roll a d6. Let's say I get four. I again add my con bonus, which is plus zero, so I add nothing to it. Um, and then I add that four that I just rolled to my existing six for a grand total of 10 hit points at level two. So you can see why these hit dice make sense. My barbarian now has 25 hit points at level two, whereas my wizard has 10. He's got like two and a half times the hit points. So um, that's that's basically hit dice and hit points in a nutshell. Okay, now we're going to move on to primary ability. So every class has a primary ability, which is the ability score that is most important to that class. Spellcasters like wizards, sorcerers, clerics, druids, their spellcasting ability is predicated on that primary ability. So for wizards, for example, it's intelligence. They want a high intelligence so your wizard can cast more spells, more powerful spells. For other class types like fighters, rogues, monks, etc., their strengths are also predicated on their primary abilities. Uh, so for like a rogue, you want a high dexterity because a lot of their class abilities are based on dex, like uh, sleight of hand and stealth. Fighters need to be strong, so their primary ability will be strength or maybe dexterity, depending on if they want to specialize in melee or ranged weapon combat. The bottom line is this. You want to know what that primary ability is and make that your highest ability score. As for the rest of your scores, it will really depend on what you want your character to do. So let's say you want a melee fighter, you want a fighter who's great at diplomacy. So you make strength your highest score, so he's a great fighter. And then your next highest score, you might want to consider charisma so that they can be more persuasive or even intimidating. So spend some time thinking about your character's needs and place your ability score values accordingly. Just keep in mind, it might take a bit of research and you can really go down the rabbit hole in this one. Not kidding. Okay, so now we'll move on to proficiencies, uh, specifically saving throw and armor and weapon proficiencies. So we talked about proficiencies and even expertise before. Starting at level one, you get a plus two proficiency bonus, which means anything that you are proficient at 
will get a plus two bonus added to it. Uh, that means when you roll the dice, you add plus two, plus whatever else you get. So at level five, that becomes a plus three, then level four plus, or I'm sorry, a plus four at level nine, and so on until you end up with a plus six. Regarding saving throws, this means that proficiency bonus will apply to whatever saving throws are listed as a saving throw proficiencies for that class. Rangers get a bonus to strength and dexterity, uh, dexterity saving throws, whereas a sorcerer will get a bonus to constitution charisma. Now, armor and weapon proficiencies are similar but a bit different. In order to wear armor uh, and gain the AC benefits from it without consequences, your character must be proficient with that armor. If I'm playing a rogue and I decide to put on a breastplate, which is medium armor, I'm going to take a disadvantage on any strength or dexterity saving throws or any strength and dexterity based skill checks because rogues only have proficiency with light armor. So technically, you could wear it if you're not proficient, but it'll have a consequence. Likewise with weapons, if you're not proficient, you may lose out on some of the bonuses because of it. Let's say I have a halfling rogue and I decide I'm going to wield a great axe. I no longer get my proficiency bonus on attacks. Not quite as dramatic as the armor, for example, but you get the point. I mean, it, plays, it pays to stay in your wheelhouse. All right, next up is class features, or as we like to call them, class feats. Um, they're a bit more involved than the rest of this chapter because it's where the rubber really meets the road with your class. Every class has a list of class features that you collect as you level up. For example, a first level druid gets the class feats druidic and spellcasting. Druidic basically means that you, as a druid, can speak the ancient secret languages of the druids. Whereas spellcasting means you get the ability to harness the power of magic through the divine essence of nature itself. Uh, at level two, your character gets to add wild shape. So now she has the ability to change form into some beast. There's limitations, um, but it's a beast that you have seen before, and you can do this up to twi twice a day. The class features continue to stack as you go along. Um, for spell slingers, you also get to add spell slots at each level. So again, our druid friend, she gets two cantrips at first, uh, and two first level spells at her, sorry, two cantrips and two first level spells at her level one, when she becomes level one. When she reaches level two, she gets to add another first level spell and, and so on, it keeps going. So when you narrow down your decision to a couple of different classes, be sure to read through all the class features and understand them. It's your responsibility as a player to remember that you have these and to use them and to leverage them for your character and your party's benefit. So if you're new to the game, I, I suggest you stick to non-spellcasting characters to start, um, just because it's one less thing you have to worry about. And then one more thing I want to touch on is in Chapter 3 of the Player's Handbook, is as you read through it, you're going to see in each section that they have a quick build. Um, this is a good place to get some baseline information because it tells you what your highest and maybe second highest scores should be gives you some suggestions on background. And don't worry about the backgrounds of personality just yet. We'll talk about those in the next podcast episode. But the quick builds have good information, so be sure to read through those. And take your time reading through this chapter because there's a lot of information, like really a lot of information, and all of the classes have different unique things. But if you look under each class, it's gonna kind of have a description, it's gonna have uh, you know all the core benefits, um, and then it's going to talk about the features and the spells, spell slots and everything like that. So be sure to read through that really carefully. Um, at the very top of the chapter, um, there's a there's a grid that has kind of a summary of everything. So that's a good place to, to kind of start as well. 
All right, all, that's it for today. That's chapter three in a nutshell. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider supporting me. Again, just point your favorite browser to geektastic.link support. I appreciate you joining me. Be sure to like and share this podcast with your friends. Spread the word. Uh, if you'd like to visit me on social media, um, send me an email. Open your browser to geektastic.link contact. Uh, please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite app, whatever that may be. Um, you can see more of them, more apps that I'm on at geektastic.link slash podcast. Easy for me to say. Although if you're listening to this, you probably already found it. So whatever. If you would like to leave me a voice message, possibly have it played on my podcast, visit geektastic.link slash voicemail. Be kind to each other, have fun, and always stay geektastic. <laughs>